When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Wealthy On. My name is James Conner, and today my guest is Henrik Zeberg. And Henrik has some very controversial calls for 2024, including a recession, which will be worse than 1929. And we're going to have a very detailed discussion with Henrik to find out how he establishes this severe correction. Henrik, thank you very much for joining us today. How are things in Copenhagen? Things are great, great here. Um, still cold, but uh, great. And uh, thanks for having me on today. Denmark is a fascinating country, and I would love to travel there someday. I recently read that Denmark just got a new king, and I was totally oblivious to the fact that Denmark even had a royal family. And and I'm just kind of curious, are they as notorious as the British royal family? Um, no, that that's not my perception of them. I, I think that they uh, they have done trend, you know pretty well over the years. We've had a, king, a queen so for 52 years now, and. Uh, you know, she hasn't put a foot wrong, I would say. So, uh, so it seems like um, we we leave that to the British to uh, to do that. So we're not going to see any documentaries on Netflix anytime soon. I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. So yeah, but we and we did have a new king. We 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 got uh, Frederick the tenth. Uh, so uh, he he became king here on the fourteenth. Um, so it was a big event in Denmark. Um, half the country, you know, turned up in Copenhagen, and uh, streets were closed. And a fantastic event. Oh, that's great. It's always good to have something to look forward to. So let's move on now. And I, I want to get your views on the economy. And there's a lot happening in the world right now, just in terms of geopolitics and also the global economy. And before we do the deep dive, I want to first start by asking you what most concerns you. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? Well, um, yeah, I, I would say that I don't think people really understand how bad this can be uh, can get. Um, we are in uh, we are at the end of uh, of this the money printing era. I would say uh, at least that's what that's that is coming. And uh, I am you know the societal fallout from what we can see with a potential deflation first and later on stagflation could be quite severe. So so that you know doesn't keep me up per se, but but it's something that I do worry about. Yes. So you made a good, great call in 2023. You were bullish throughout, and now here we are in early 2024. Where do you see the U.S. economy going in 2024? So for now, it's uh, the economy is still strong. Uh, we we see that the labor market has not uh, rolled over. Uh, I have a a business cycle model that I have uh, been constructing uh, constructed with. Uh, with Swiss Block Technologies, um, and what that shows us is that the uh, the leading indicators, which actually leads the economy to the next step, has been have been declining for the last twenty or so months. And the last time we saw that was before the financial crisis. So what we see is that the the, the you know the indicators that are telling us where we are going are so, so telling us we are going to have a bad recession. 
And the coincident indicator telling us where we are right now is saying, well, we, we haven't seen the deterioration in the labor market just yet. So what I would expect to see is that kind of continuation of what we have now with the, uh, with a strong economy going into, let's say mid of 24. And, but, but, but from then on, I think we're going to see a, a strong recession set in. You mentioned that I thought you think it's going to be worse than 29, I think, or, you know, the, during the depression, I think it's going to be the worst we have seen since 1929 uh, in terms of the market correction and, and potentially also the fallouts of the, uh, in the you know, societal fallouts. And Henrik, maybe you can provide some more context on exactly what indicators you're looking at. You mentioned uh, a number of the indicators that you're looking at, leading indicators have been deteriorating for a number of months. So, so these are the ones from the, uh, the conference board, um, and these are well-known indicators, so you can go and you can look them up there. Uh, in the leading indicators, you will see uh, housing permits, you will see uh, initial claims, you'll see others. And these are actually the ones that will tell us, as I said, you know, now the, the, the Titanic hits the iceberg uh, and we're going to sink, but we don't sink immediately. Uh, and, and, and if you check those out, you, know, you see, if you look to the conference board and I do some, I have a, uh, we have, we, we made a model or we produ uh, created a model based on those. And if you go back in time and you, you know, back test all of this, you never, you will see that every time you get a recession signal from the leading indicators in our model for the last 80 years, you will actually see that they have never been wrong. They've never made a false, a false signal, never an extra recession call or any, uh, and they never missed anyone. So, so it's, 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 uh, it's pretty strong. And, and, but this is not only the only one, the only thing that I look at, but, but the leading indicators here are very, very, um, uh, telling in terms of what, what comes. And it's just about, uh, the economy, the real economy, the labor market to start rolling over. And another thing I follow um, is the housing market, obviously. And the housing market is so important for all of us. So when we see housing goes up, uh, go up, we, we will feel, you know, better off, well off, and then we'll start spend, spending more. And, uh, and when it starts to decline and we feel we, we get in, pr in trouble there, well, then we'll see, uh, see the opposite and we'll actually see a decline in consumption, which is then, you know, going to, to make the, uh, the decline in, in GDP worse as well. And right now we see a worse setup than before the financial crisis. This much is very, very clear. But I, w I want you to be more specific now, because when you look at the economy, you mentioned it's very strong. It's at around the GDP is growing at around 5% annualized. The job market also very robust. What indicators do you see that are telling you that the economy is slowing down and possibly rolling over? So, um, so again, it's about understanding what what is the uh, the steps in in the uh, the business cycle. There are three. If you look again to the conference board, base, which is where we base our business model uh, cycle model on as well, um, you'll see that the leading indicators that I just spoke of has been rolling over. Then telling us, and if you go back in time and you, if you look at the the uh, the model that we have created, created, you will actually see how the top and leading indicators then lead to our top in the coincident indicators. But it, there is a lack. And everybody got, last year was talking about the, the yield inversion. And now it seems like to have been forgotten. But actually, if people just look, they will see that at the bottom of the yield inversion, and we still have a yield inversion, but from the bottom of that till the, uh, till the recession sets off, normally we see like 12 to 15 months. Um, and this time around, the bottom in the yield inversion was in June of, of 23 which gives us around June of this year before we should see the recession sets in. 
but everybody seems to have forgotten about that yield inversion now because now things are going well and the market is up and all that. And as you said, also the, the labor market as well. But what people do not understand is that the labor market is kind of a lagging thing on the whole economy. One of the things that I'm sure a lot of the viewers here, and I can feel myself uh, also that we've been hit by, is the, 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 the rise in uh, personal interest payments. So rates have been going up, market yields have been going up, and this is the, the iceberg. This is the very definition of the iceberg. So it, they have been rising, the, the personal interest payments have been rising faster than we saw before the financial crisis, before any crisis we have seen for the last many, many years. Like I don't, I don't even have data to see how far that goes back. And that is, as I said, the iceberg, because pe what people then do is that they will start to cut back on consumption, on spending, because they want to meet their, you know, and pay their mortgages simply. I mean, we are just, you know, just human beings. And, and that is what will slowly get through uh, the economy. And we have never seen a spike like what we have seen this time around. And again, we have never seen, you know, all the other indicators that I follow. These were just two of them, yield inversion and the interest pay pay payment spikes. And there are others. I have 17 recession indicators that will actually tell me, first of all, when we'll get there, but also tell me that we are already seeing that slowdown. Is it visible to everybody now? No, it's not, because people will be looking at the market and they'll be looking at the labor market and the and the uh, housing market, but it will become visible. And uh, I honestly do not understand, you know, that we have, uh, you know, famously uh, or known, you know, economists and people out there saying, oh, we will see a soft landing. I can promise you, you will not see a soft landing. You'll see quite the opposite. Okay, so you brought up interest rates and the pain that higher interest rates are causing to the average consumer. So let's spend a little more time on this. And the market has put in a massive move since the end of November, the beginning of December, all based on the expectation of interest rates being lowered. And uh, we have another Fed meeting coming up at the end of this month. What are your views? What do you think the Fed's going to do at the end of the month? Are, are they going to maintain rates as they are? Are they going to cut rates? What are your thoughts? I don't think they're going to cut. Uh, I mean, they're not going to raise them uh, any higher. That they, they're going to, but they 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 will do that. They will do the pulse. I, that that stands uh, pretty clear to me. Despite the fact that we are actually seeing the two-year market yield coming down quite strongly, which is really their guidance i mean what guides the fed what drives the fed is where they see the two-year yield and uh, and then they will follow that pretty closely so uh, but i think in terms of, because of the uh, as we've seen also the cpi number coming out a little more hot than than you know probably was you know what they wanted then they will probably still be they will not be cutting yet uh, also because the labor market is as strong as it is so there will not be a need for it and they will still think well we need to orchestra this uh, soft landing and we will just, you know, we, with the labor market still strong, maybe running a bit too hot. So we'll keep the, 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 the rates as they are at this point, but they will be cutting it, they're cutting them and they will be cutting in them because they see that the market rates, market yields will be coming down strongly and they will see the deterioration of the, uh, of the labor market. And if the leading indicators again speak, you know, for what we're going to see, the decline we're going to see in the coincident indicators, meaning the labor market and you know employment and so on, uh, will will it will drop very very dramatic, uh, you know, into let's say June, July, August of this year, and and that's the time when I think so. The last of twenty four will be all by cutting from the Fed, uh, but they will be a little late because I'm not sure that they really understand the the kind of uh, severe uh, blow that they have caused to the economy. 
the the dynamic effects of the economy where when you start to see inflation will put a damper on the on the uh, on the inflation by itself um, and the Fed seems like they, they they think they need to do all the work the work is actually done by the economy what they have done by moving the rates up as aggressively as they have is to cause even more pain to to the whole situation they have cut you know they have made the hole in the titanic even bigger so i mean that's it's going to sink and it's going to de deflation when when you know a year out from now deflation will be in the in the books not 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 inflation or anything like that it was as as i put many times it was transitory inflation uh, the fed thought that they had let the, the inflation genie out the bottle what they really did was that they have made a spike and uh, and that spike would have corrected itself um but now now we are with you know standing with the damages of the high rates that they have been uh, been been causing so let's talk a little bit about inflation because the reason why they took rates from zero up to 5% is because they're trying to get inflation under control. According to the CPI, it got as high as 9% last year, and now it's around 3%. But I think you and I probably both agree the real rate of inflation is a lot higher. I think myself, it's probably 10% or more. And, and this is also really killing consumers. I mean, you take inflation in conjunction with taxes. Taxes are your single largest household expenditure. And then you throw on this double digit inflation, like you're causing so much pain to the average uh, person, right? And, and so what are your thoughts about inflation? Do you think inflation is a whole lot higher? And is it going to be a reacceleration of inflation that really takes this economy down? No, actually, I don't think it'll be a real acceleration of the inflation. I think you know there has been a spike, uh, which is causing you know havoc and damage through the, throughout the economy, as you you rightly put it. And whatever level is that, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there are some you know ways of correcting or you know calculating this. Um, so, but but I think you know if you look at to to truth truthflation, they are called. Uh, I actually follow them also for for the components of you know inflation and the development of inflation. I think that. They come up with a pretty good, you know, piece of um, or, or of a calculation for what the inf current inflation rate is at, um, and I I don't have any better tool than uh, tools than that. But you're absolutely right. The, the 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 damage to the consumers from inflation, from interest rates, from everything we have had, is is not hasn't been felt altogether just yet. It is something where it needs to get through into the cycle. It means that you know we need to start to see the layoffs in certain companies, and then that will accelerate and then you know people will really feel that they are underwater because they are you know they have these high mortgages and 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 what else uh, so so i think it's about understanding that it doesn't happen immediately and and so all we we we, we talked about when inflation was going up is still here it's still wake it's still making its way down through the uh, so to speak the funnel or the whatever the down to the into the consumers and and the way that they you know spend money and do not spend money and uh, and you see that on luxurious goods. I mean, luxury goods uh, they they've down because you know people um, is that's the first thing you'll cut away. You do not buy that you know very expensive watch or whatever it is. But it's really down to just you know the simple um, setup for the customer and the consumer. How do they feel? What kind of pressure is on them? And right now, as you say, it's 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 huge, and it is causing. The, the 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 Titanic to sink at some point. It just doesn't happen immediately as most people, I don't understand why they keep believing that or thinking it should happen immediately, but, but because it's, you know, if you just go back in time and 
and uh, check history and then look to the to the on the to the charts, you will actually see that this is a very normal cycle we have. You're right. You made mention of the fact that a lot of these higher wagers are still percolating through the system. I read recently that there was 22 major strikes in the U.S. during 2023, a major strike being anything with over a thousand employees. And a lot of those contracts that were negotiated are still making their way through the system. And this could also lead to further inflation. And another issue that you brought up earlier, and I just want to touch on again, is housing affordability. It doesn't matter if you're in Copenhagen or Toronto or wherever you are, the price of housing has just gone stratospheric. And as you know, I live in Canada. It's a very, very small country, a population of 40 million people. Our government brought in over a million people last year, half of which came to the city of Toronto. So that's an additional 10%. You can imagine the pressure that's putting on the infrastructure, on housing, and so many other things. What are your thoughts on housing affordability and what this is doing to the overall system? Well, I mean, housing affordability hasn't been as low since the 1980s or something like that. And uh, it's way below what we had uh, before the financial crisis. So so obviously it's going to make its way into the, the economy and thinking otherwise. I mean, when you when I hear people saying something along the lines of that AI will help us or that, you know, liquidity will help us. No, because this is about the real economy. The real economy is about: Do you have a house, and how much is it, you know, valued at? How 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 expensive is it to live in it? And do you have, do I have a job? And these are the two most basic things that we need to to uh, look out for. Everything else is, you know, pretty much Wall Street chit chat. When you have this about liquidity and what the central banks will do and all that, really, by the end of it, it is what the consumer how they feel. And right now, the consumers, the housing affordability, they do not feel good. The, the consumer sentiment is not good. Uh, and I think it will grow. It'll become even worse when they start to you know, see unemployment rates coming up. We still have to remember unemployment rates at this moment are at historic low, low levels. Uh, so if they go up to normal levels, it will start to be felt. And there will be a, a, you know, an, an, an add-on effect on this. So... I, I don't understand the people that can look at what you just said here also with housing affordability and with, with everything we see with interest payments and, and the like, and then say, well, you know what? I think the Fed has got it this time around. They will actually you know, make sure that it does, we don't have a recession. Um, I can promise you that was what they said also before the, uh, the financial crisis and before any, uh, any recessions we have had. Uh, they will always say, we got it covered. We know what we are. We know. We all remember Bananke stood in um, 2008 in January and said, well, I don't see a recession at this point. And we were in the midst of it. So this about having faith in the, in the central banks and the Fed and so on in them manufacturing or orchestrating a, uh, a soft landing, it's not happening. What we see is exactly as you said, housing affordability and the, the hit on the consumers from every you know, sort of way is what will cause this uh, this cycle to really end in a bad way. And we have to also understand that there is a supply side to it as well. So we're talking demand here. The supply sides are the, co the companies of the, you know, of the world, you know, where they had a fantastic 21 after Corona. We had all the stimulus coming out and everybody was making money. And if you look at the retails um, st stockpiles that they have right now, you know, the, the inventories uh, of retailers and the likes, well, they are, 16, 17, 20% above, you know, the long-term rate uh, or, you know, um, average. And uh, that is the highest it's ever been again. And that will tell us that somebody needs to reduce capacity because it's not needed. 
And if you have been adjusting your capacity up to meet the kind of demand we saw coming out of the Corona crisis, well, you you probably you you tried to you you were ambitious because you thought you were doing well, but actually it was just a uh, a boost from 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 you know every central bank of the world and every administration of the world, which of course caused a lot of demand. That demand is now coming pulling back, and you'll see supply needs to do the same, and that's why the deflationary part is coming. That's where we're going to see price decreases and, and in my setup and what i look at i i see you know a setup where we have had the worst deflationary bust and this has come back to what i said before it is since 1929 i don't think it's going to be as bad as the big uh, great depression but since 1929 in terms of you know that we're going to see a deflationary bust which will be with high negative uh, inflation rates so before we discuss deflation and where you see prices going. Why don't we just summarize a few of your concepts? So first of all, we have this stratospheric inflation that's resulted in this acceleration of interest rates, the fastest increase in interest rates that we've seen in, in economic history. And this is causing a great deal of pain to the consumer and eventually it's going to hit businesses. And this is why you think the economy is going to pull back or contract. Is that correct? 100% correct. That is 100% correct. That is the business cycle as it exists. That is how it has been working for you know, years and years. And that is why when you look at the leading coincident and lagging indicators also, and you will see that there is a very nice, it's like a Swiss clock. You'll simply see how it works its way through. And as I see it right now, I'm being asked, but what will change your mind? I'll say at this point here, there are so many indicators I have seen. There's no way it's going to change my mind. I mean, at this point here, if we are not in a recession by uh, in a year's time, well, then I, I'll have to reevaluate. But I think, you know, it's more likely that we're going to see a very strong acceleration because of the things you just mentioned there uh, into late part of 24. So let's examine your scenario in more detail and what it's going to do to financial markets and also this whole concept of deflation. And why don't we just start with the S&P? It's currently around 47 or 4,800. Where do you see the S&P going up until June when you think the economy is going to start slowing? Well, I, I have this, you know, outrageous uh, target, which I've had ever since October of 23. And I said when it's 6,100. 6, is still my target around that level uh, based on the technical uh, setup that I see based on Fibonacci extensions and so on. Um, and I know it's a very, very strong move going into the to, to June, a uh, very, very strong move. Could it, could it last a little longer? Perhaps, yes. And I would think also that the US markets would be the last standing. We normally see that, that uh, we, we hear in the media that, well, uh, the rest of the world doesn't look too good, but we actually see that the US is doing well and the old U.S. will make sure that the rest of the world doesn't fall uh, into a recession. That doesn't happen. And again, it's always the U.S. that then follows the rest of the world. But um, I think we will into June, mid of this year, let's say, uh, we will see a very, very strong move in the markets. Uh, it will accelerate and become even stronger than we have, what we have seen in, in last year. Uh, and that is the normal, normal behavior also, as we see now people thinking, you know, the narrative is out there already. That's what we are um, up against now. Uh, that is that, you know, people are saying the soft landing is here. Uh, we believe in the soft landing. And Henrik, just see, you know, you, you called the, 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 you called the, the rally and you got it. And that is actually telling us that we are getting into a new business cycle and we're moving higher. And, uh, and you know, it's a new bull market and it'll go on for the next and until 2030 and whatever. 
what we're seeing is the normal you know, narrative now developing from very pessimistic because we have had an infl inflation spike and, and then people are getting back in saying, wow, we let's party. And, uh, and I think when we start to see, you know, significant uh, levels above all time highs on, on the S and P, which we'll see soon. And, uh, and the same with the NASDAQ where we are already at all time highs. And when we start to see the crypto rally, which I think is, you know, the, the, We've seen Bitcoin, but I think Bitcoin will go up a lot more from here. And I think we're going to see uh, all coins, you know, joining and not, not only joining the party, but actually, you know, develop into a larger euphoria than we had uh, in 21. Well, if you see all of that, it will be very difficult for people to stand in the midst of that and have earned a lot of money and still understand that the business cycle is actually rolling over. So 6,100 on the S&P. Uh, 27,000 on the, on the NASDAQ, maybe even 33,000 could even also be the one the case for, for NASDAQ. I'm a little in doubt there, uh, but a lot higher from where we are. And even as we start to see, uh, some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the Nikkei, for instance, getting closer and closer to my target of, uh, of a very, very big top as well. So I think there will be some foreign markets outside of the U S which will do not so well uh, getting into let's say April, but I think the, the, the US markets will stand uh, for a little longer and then we're going to see the, uh, the decline. Um, and it will not be felt on first week and the second week, but, but I think by the end of this year, we will definitely have felt it. And I think also the Fed will start to react to that when we, when we start to see you know, levels uh, or, or the, the markets really declining strongly. So just to summarize, you see the S&P going from the current level of 4,700, 4,800 up to 6,000, 6,100 by June, which is a move of 25 to 30%. That is, I know it sounds uh, strong and fast, I know, uh, but uh, if you look at the current, uh, uh, you know, um, slope on the curve, so to speak, I mean, it's a continuation of that. Uh, what we have seen ever since the October lows, if you continue that, it's a, it actually shows us that uh, that is the um, that could be the pace we, we could be expecting. And the next level here, I'm still expecting that when you see all time highs coming in on the S&P and, and it stays above that, I think the buying, you know, uh, the push will come from from, you know, there, because that seems like that is when people will start to understand that this is going much higher. And so you touched on Bitcoin and we have to bring that up because that's strongly correlated with the S&P and the NASDAQ. And um, so it's currently trading. I think it got up to $48,000 ahead of this ETF announcement by the SEC. It's pulled back a little bit, but where do you see Bitcoin going between now and June? My target is still around 115000 as a minimum, maybe as high as 150000 And again, it sounds like a crazy move with, you know, with the amount of time. Uh, but that is normally what we see also going into. And again, we have to understand and remember that we are in, you know, exponential times in terms of, you know, when when the, 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 the party gets going, it really gets going. And that's where we start to see the whole FOMO develop and so on. Uh, so I think, you know, Bitcoin at 115,000 would, would be my minimum target uh, to be reached around that time. Yeah, I'm one of those people. Every time I look at Bitcoin, I have FOMO. <laughs> So I might be getting involved here in the next few weeks is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So we talked about the S&P. We talked about the NASDAQ and Bitcoin. What about gold? What do you see gold doing in this current environment? So I, I know I've famously been called out that I, my, I didn't get my gold call correctly. And, uh, and, and, and yet we haven't seen, you know, gold 
uh, rallying to you know ten thousand or whatever the gold box have been saying. I am myself a gold box. I think gold has a big place in the monetary system, um, but there's good times and there are bad times to hold gold. And bad times will be the times where you see liquidity crunch. That's the time where, you know, there's a purpose why people. There's a reason why gold is what you're supposed to hold. It's because of you know the long-term trend. You have inflation, of course. But in terms of crisis, you need to have liquidity. You need to be able to pay off your debt and what else. And you need simply to, you know, have, yeah, liquidity, US dollars is what you want to hold there. And to get that, uh, you know, you want to, you, you probably see gold and silver and, and miners getting sold off. Um, so I'm very bearish the precious metals at this point here. Could we see gold reaching 2,500 before we get there? Potentially, yes. But do I think we will? No, I don't. I, I think we actually have seen the top and I think gold is trending lower from here. But again, could I be wrong with that? Potentially, yes. But I still think at 1200 to 1250 would be the, 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 yeah, the, the bottom around that level for, for gold. It could even develop to lower levels, but, but, um, but gold is going to, 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 to decline and crash into a liquidity crisis. And we saw that also in, during the, um, the the financial crisis, we saw from March of 2008 until September of 2008, we saw gold declining 33%, and we saw silver declining 60%. So I don't understand why people are just saying, oh, well, we need to hold gold because a crisis is coming. Actually, you need to understand when there is a crisis, you don't want to hold precious metal, you want to hold liquidity, US dollars, and then you want to get into that when when the Fed steps, steps back in. So. It's about the timing of that. And, and people, again, can just look to, to back in, in, in the times and look into the, the deflationary bust we have had. Well, you'll see gold do not do tremendously well during those busts. And so just to clarify, you see gold, you think gold has already topped out at around $2,000 an ounce? As I said, I, I, again, I mean, I'm not trying to time that. I'm trying to time the, the when we see the bottom. So, um, I, but I think there is a chance we could have seen the top in gold at this point. Yes, and, and we'll see the decline into uh, into uh, around 1250. Whereas there will be a rather strong decline. I mean, as as you know, the deflationary bust that I see developing is going to be very very strong. I can I, I don't know how I, I I can put this. This is this will be you know days of minus uh, you know five six seven eight percent on the on the stock market. Uh, we'll see the uh, you know stops uh, on the market. We'll see markets you know, taking a pause and all that. And I think there will be uh, you know a lot of panic. There will be a lot of panic for crypto uh, enthusiasts, and there will be a lot of you know all this and. And again, gold will not do well in that environment. The environment where gold will do well is when the, when we get to the next phase, is when the Fed steps back in, not just with rate cuts, but comes up with the, you know, another fantastic solution like printing money again or doing something else. And and then we'll see what gold then does, uh, because then I think we can easily see gold at ten thousand. But 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 uh, there is there's another bottom coming before we see gold uh, going to those levels. So the gold bugs have had a very tough few years. So you're saying it's going to get a lot tougher for them? Yeah, I think I think it will. And I, I you know, I, I think there'll be blood in the streets before we get to the point where where gold will be will be you know to pick up again. If you are a long term investor and you say, well, I can sit through a, a crash from current levels to twelve hundred fifty. That's that's good and fine, you know, because gold will come up again and it'll do so fantastically fast. But if you look at it and, and you, again you analyze, you want to have you want to be long gold when silver is leading gold or and or uh, miners are leading uh, is leading uh, gold and 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 you don't see that you've seen actually miners and you've seen silver 
are down a lot this year. They're down a lot since uh, 2011. Gold is the only one who's made a new high on it. But that's normally not a good sign for the for the gold market. You want to see that silver is leading gold into new highs and you want to see the miners leading it. And uh, so right now we are in a bounce. I know that sounds weird, but we are in a bounce from from the first decline we had in the um, in the in the, the gold bear market that started in 2011. Then we have seen this bounce into 2020, which was higher than uh, 2011. I get that. But but the next decline is going to be the worst. And I think that's that's where people will. You know, we'll, we need to hear pieces of people saying something along the lines of, you know, gold will, 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 you know, never have its role again, and you know, all these things, and and then it's time for to to get in. Um, but and I want to see also that we start to see, you know, the recession is clearly and there, like what we saw in, when we have the when we have some of the black swans events that I expect into the deflationary bust, um, that's when we should start looking at gold. Yeah, you're right about these gold miners. They have been horrendous here in the last few years. And even when you take, even if you look at the price of, of gold here and the move we've seen in the last few years, adjusted for inflation, it's still very disappointing. And um, and then when you compare it to something like Bitcoin, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. And I think you can see Bitcoin will go to a hundred times the value of gold uh, before we get to the bottom of gold. So, uh, so, and again, that's because we need to understand. And, and, and I, I, again, that comes down to the, the talk about Bitcoin becoming uh, the new gold, uh, and I—that's not what we see right now. We see actually the opposite. We see that you know Bitcoin is something you get into when you become really risk-on, and you wanna you know you you, you want to be part of you know a risk-on rally, uh, and then you see gold is not tremendously doing well, not so well there, and I think you will see that there is a time for gold. That will be when we get to the uh, into a recession and the Fed steps back in where I don't think Bitcoin will do tremendously well. Actually, I think it is going to have a, a very, really tough time. So so again, there will be different times for this, but but Bitcoin is not a new digital gold. I mean, it's it's not behaving like that. Let's put it like this. So we have to talk about oil. This is a big driver of any economy, and it's been very volatile in the last few months. Topped out around $95 a barrel. Now it's trading in the low 70s. And this is in spite of everything that's happening in the Middle East and also Ukraine. But what are your views on oil in this deflationary environment? Well, I mean, oil is the is the driver of inflation. And if you have a deflationary environment, you will see oil coming down strongly. And uh, I wasn't too surprised to see that oil turned when it did. I wasn't too surprised to see the decline we have seen so far. And if we take it from the 100 and, what was it, 130, we saw back in midst of, mid of the last year, I think it is, um, well, we 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 down now at seventy something. I haven't looked at it today. Um, and well, that is that I would say was is normal. What we saw back then was the spike because of the um, of the artificial created bounce and spike and the huge amount of stimulus coming out into a supply crisis. Then you see oil coming up, you see inflation rates coming up. But now you see gold down. Sorry, oil get down again. And I think you're going to see it decline much more. And I, I, I still have a target below $10 going into the deflationary bust. Will it be as bad as during the Corona crisis? I don't know. But and I also had a target below $10 before, you know, from 2019 into, I didn't see the Corona crisis coming, but I did see a crisis. I did see a creation, uh, a, a, a recession coming uh, because the, again, the, 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 the business cycle indicator set, uh, told me that. This time around, it's going to be a um, bigger deflationary bust, um, and uh, and oil will do not well because oil 
will do well when you see the economy is flourishing. And right now, at this point, it'll come to a, not a standstill, but it's going to be um, bad times in the economy. And that means that the oil will go a lot lower. And I say uh, below $10 will be my target uh, into, the, uh, into the deflationary bust. And where do you see oil going from now until June when you see the market topping out or the economy slowing? Yeah, so I, I, um, there are two ways actually, and this is easy. Either it goes up or it goes down, right? So that's very easy. But but there is, in terms of the technical model I have, it's you know there there could be a bounce in, but I don't actually. That's not my favorite thesis at this point. I actually think it's just going to decline, and it's uh, there are some levels it needs to break through at this point, as I remember it. Uh, and uh, I think when it drops there, you know there will be a, a larger decline. If I look at the uh, market yields. We are in for a huge decline in market yields, which could set in by, let's say, March, April or something like that. Um, and I would not expect to see that unless I also see a decline in oil. So uh, so I think there will be a larger decline there. And then, the, the again, the bounce at some point and then the, the final decline into to my and my target. But but again, I am short term. I could see two way two two roads here and two paths and uh, and um, but but my favorite scenario is actually that we do not see much more of a uh, of a bounce and then we just uh, continue lower. Yeah, it does appear to be very weak. So okay, so let me just summarize here what you are suggesting investors do from now until June. It's risk on. So stay along the S and P, stay along the Nasdaq, stay along Bitcoin. But then when the economy starts slowing and we start getting this pullback in all the financial markets, how how would you suggest or what do you suggest investors do to profit from this or protect their wealth? So there are different ways to do that. Uh, obviously, first of all, you need to have liquidity. You need to have the U.S. dollars. That's not the time now because I still have a, a target, which is around Dixie for uh, 90 for on the Dixie. Uh, so I don't think that's the time now. Um, and uh, so that will be the risk on phase. But when you get to the bottom of that, you need to hold liquidity. You need to have cash. Uh, and cash will absolutely be king at that point. I mean, that's that's when the, the markets are dropping, you know, just holding cash at 0%, you know, would be good or even a positive, you know, rate. And there will be also, there are ETFs out there you can you can invest in, you know, going against the uh, the euro versus the dollar, which will be one way of doing it. And also TLTs, uh, you know, U.S. bonds, uh, German bonds is something that I hold as well and start to scale more and more into. I see the TLT can move from you know, the current levels around 90, what is it, right? 98 or something. I'm not really sure, but but then it, I think we can go up and see, we can see a level around two, 200 of that. So I think we can easily see a doubling of, of those prices. So TLTs will be good. That's during the deflationary phase. Um, and uh, and then also you, you can short the markets if you, but that's of course more risky, uh, and that you need to have the stomach for that because there will be a lot of volatility. I will, I mean, I will go against you know every the the herd again when we hear start to hear that Bitcoin will hit uh, you know one million or two million or whatever they come up with. I think shorting Bitcoin at some point will be a fantastic opportunity, and the miners, Bitcoin miners, and uh, what else we can do. I mean, there are so many opportunities there to on the short side of the market, but that, of course, is more the risky game. The more safe game will be to enjoy the rally in the market, understand that there is a time, that there is an end date to this, and then understand that you need to have liquidity, you need to be into TLTs and U.S. Uh, bonds and, and German bonds and the likes, and then and then uh, you know stay safe there. Uh, and 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 understand also at zero percent, you know, will be a good return also sometimes or even low percent. 
but that will be difficult for understand for people to understand who have come from this that I'm doubling my money on crypto in a one or two weeks, and then you have to settle with you know a small percentages going into a crisis. So a lot of people will be caught on the wrong side of this. I'm I you know and that is just unfortunately the history and the nature of things. And when I talk about this with a recession now, I can start to feel that people are in disbelief, uh, even though I would say the signals are clearer than what we saw before the financial crisis. So uh, I think it's weird to see that people do not understand this with the business cycle. So, um, but there are ways to to hide out and to to make sure that you you don't lose your um, hard earned money. So Henrik, we most of our discussion has been focused on the U.S., the largest economy in the world, and why don't we? touch on China now, second largest economy in the world. And of course, we never really know what's real and what isn't coming out of China. But a lot of the narrative, a lot of the commentary we've seen is that there is a definite slowdown there and there's issues with the real estate market, both residential and commercial. Do you have any thoughts on China and what this might mean to the global economy? So I think that China is, is, um, is uh, you know, is a... Uh are isn't big problem problems or troubles i mean absolutely but there is many other places around the world i don't think you know europe looks fantastic either and uh i mean actually i think the us uh, for now looks you know better than most other places around the world so but china is ob obviously have uh, you know problems and they have tried to um create this uh, phantom or this mirage of a you know continuous growth and by by building, you know, uh, you know, manufacturing the largest property to bubble in the in, in history, and uh, and now we see the consequences of that. I mean, the consequences is that you know at some point, you know, people are not going to move into those properties, and they have to you know tear them down again. And that means that the financial growth that you saw, sorry, the growth, the economic growth you saw years back, was actually artificial. Uh, I mean. No surprise to anybody, but it's just because it's been going on for such a such a long time. So China will will be in trouble, and uh, and um, but I think a lot of places around the world will be as well. And uh, we can just hope again that this will not create some outfalls in terms of, as I said, societal outcomes or geopolitical you know situations or anything like that. But I do fear, and when you ask me what keeps me up at night, this is one of the things. I mean, because you, when you start to have a large economy like that. Where you have so many people moving into the middle uh, income class, or and then they will start to see they that they actually maybe lose that status again, or starting to become poorer again. Well, they will want to see action. They want to see something getting done by it. So, so I think China is a um, is an example of what uh, not to do in terms of how to create growth. First of all, second of all, um, well, it is going. To, it will show us the way for you know how bad things can be. But again. They will not just, you know, let this go. And that's why I think there is another go in terms of the market as well. Also, and I see people now saying, get out of China. I'm not too sure that you want to get out of China's, Chinese stocks at this point, point. and you actually could see a huge bounce in the, uh, in the Chinese stock market uh, and, in, and indices uh, uh, going in again to the next six months here, because you'll see the dollar pulling back and, and well, what else we see. And I think, a lot of the the hype we're going to see in, in crypto and the like is going to come from the Chinese central bank in, inducing a lot of money again. So we'll see a lot of liquidity coming in from that as well. So you're very positive in the short term, risk on between now and June, and then you become very negative. Okay. And then it's risk off. Now, if there was something that might derail or change your thesis between now and June, so maybe you don't foresee this 
major correction in this deflationary environment, what would it be? Well, there are two ways. Either it um, either it goes faster or we don't see the recession uh, at all. And if it needs to go faster, well, I, I could be mistaken on how fast it could go. I mean, how fast we could actually get to it. And when I say June, I think it's a it's already a stretch in terms of when we see the market top. But uh, but let's go with June. I think that's probably June will probably be the month of the beginning of the onset of the recession. So, but in terms of not seeing it, if we're going to get into, uh, we, we will not see the recession and the people calling for a new bull market, a new you know economy just keeps on growing here. Well, what do I need to see? I need to see my my leading indicators in my business cycle turning positive immediately, and I need to see a bounce in the in the coincident indicators at this point. But that would be a first time in 80 years, so I do not expect that. It would be irrationally irrational of me to expect that to happen. But that would be needed to see. We need to see that the dollar starts to decline and then actually stay stay low and 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 do not you know begin the rally. I expect after the Dixie re reaching uh, 90, which is my target. Well, then I think a dollar rally will come, which will take it to 120, like uh, in that region, and 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 that we cannot have because if that happens, then you will have deflationary bust. So I need to see the dollar continuing down from here, and that's unfortunately also not what I see. So, so I think it's it's very much you know baked into the you know to the cake here. We 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 got what we got. We we have tried to um, to counter a a supply crisis by pouring money onto, onto it and, and creating demand. And that has created a new, new situation. And, and now we'll have to live through that phase, um, uh, unfortunately. I mean, because it will create a lot of you know, challenges for people and, and havoc in the, the economy. So I don't like it, uh, but, but I have to you know, look at what I see. And, uh, and, uh, and I got you know, so many indicators telling me that a recession is coming. It's not here yet. It's not here yet, and I want to emphasize that, but it's coming. And uh, with Europe looking as subdued as it does already, and China, as you also mentioned, so where are you going to see it come from if if, you're, if all of a sudden U.S. Is, is starting to decline, as I expected to? So, um, so but but leading indicators moving up, and the Dixie keep falling and declining and staying, you know, low would potentially uh, change my mind, but I just don't see it coming. When I hear your targets, I don't think they're outrageous. I mean, the S&P was up 20% in 2023. The Nasdaq was up 40 or more. Bitcoin was up 170%. And a lot of those moves came in the last few months of the year. So I think your actual price targets are not outrageous. The one thing I would take issue with would be the timing and how fast it's going to happen. Fair enough. And, uh, and you know, timing can be... Difficult, and I would I, I could be on the show here in six months' time and saying, well, yeah, maybe a couple of more uh, you know months to go. And uh, I talked to Raúl the other day on Ren Neuner's show, and uh, I said, well, I think if you do, if you do an interview again in a year's time, we will definitely see it. Again, the timeline or the timing of it comes from what I see in the let's say in the uh, the yield inversion, for instance, and and other things. So, but I haven't seen the deterioration in the labor market yet. But that can come really, really quick. That's what I want to say also. So so when I don't say there when I say there's not a recession yet, and I've been surprised also to see, you know, the strength of the labor market, but um it that can turn unfortunately rather fast because all the leading indicators are telling me so. And they have been down, as I said, 20 some months, I think it is now, and that up to the financial crisis, they were down a similar amount of time. 
before we saw the, that that kind of crisis unfold. So we are getting, you know, it's it's the upturn of the the, the market move higher and the economy, you know, strong economy is getting long in its tooth. And here, and I think we will, you know, um, the deterioration will come through the, you know, the the the, the indicators or through the the um, the examples we talked about with housing and with the you know pay, personal payments and so on and so forth. So so. Uh, but but I, I hear what you're saying in terms of the timing and, uh, you know, time will tell. So I want to ask you about your comments about 1929. You have said that the resulting pullback is going to be similar to or worse than what we saw in 1929. And I just want you to clarify this and just to provide some more context to our viewers. The Dow peaked in September of 1929 at 381. It bottomed at 41 in 1932. So that was a pullback of 89%. But why do you think it's going to be like 1929 and why not 08, 09? So, so I say, again, I say since 1929, I, I just want to emphasize that. I think it's coming over quite a few times and I need to say that it's since 1929. But it's actually based exactly on the way you, what you're looking at there in terms of the the, 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 the decline and the size of the decline. And if I look at the S&P, um, I can see a market decline going from 6,100 to maybe between 15 to 1,800. So 1,500, 1,800. And if you look at that, that's a sizable decline. And then people say, yeah, but that's not so bad because you're actually seeing, you know, we have been going up so much over the last couple of years here. And then I'll say exactly. And that's why you say the percentage decline will take us back to 2015 or 16. Which is not so bad, but 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 that's the decline I, I see in the S and P. If I look at the small caps, I see more of a eighty ninety percent decline in those when we get to the top that I expect. So not from current levels, but from the top that I see. Um, and also, if you look at elsewhere, and one of the things that I, I I do not understand, people also maybe you know miss out on here is that well we we have a uh, we have a crypto market also where i think a lot of the um, devastation will come from um, and i think that if i'm right on the size of the the, the, the from at the top of the uh, of the of the of the peak here coming peak well then i think that there will be a 5.4.5 trillion um, um, crypto market maybe as high as 5 trillion crypto market and if that is going to be almost you know decimal decimated as a minimum but you know uh, maybe cut down to barely nothing. I, I see Bitcoin declining a lot and I see some of these cryptos, you know, getting annihilated. Um, then you'll see a lot of money money falling out of the system. I see a lot of startups, business startups that we've seen over the years. Everybody has been searching for yield. If you're a private equity fund, you've been, you know, pounding the table and saying, why can't you find yield? Find yield for me, go buy this company and what else? And we have seen these, you know, outrageous uh, valuations on companies, around, uh, uh, you know, across the uh, across the globe. Um, and that has been running for some years. But some of these businesses simply do not have a sound business case. So all of these, I mean, the the whole misallocation of money, which comes from too low interest rates, and uh, you know, we don't have that right now, but we have had it. And if we get down to these levels again, um, in a recession, is going to come, you know, to to make sure that we yeah, that the whole situation come home to to roost because you know the, the the fallouts will be that there will be no more funding money for you know venture money for for the startups, crypto money will be you know annihilated. You will not hold. You will not have a million dollars in your in your wallet any longer, and and uh, what else have you? So a lot of people will lose a lot of money. And what I also see, and you have to understand that there, 
I see a two step to this. I see a deflationary phase, which where the central banks will start to pour money onto it again. Um, but the thing is, we have had the free lunch in 2008 where you could actually throw free money on it. What we've seen this time around when we saw the, the Corona crisis was that the real economy didn't really turn immediately. Um, and, and it took, you know, it took, it took a little while before we actually started to see the real economy making a move on it. And that's why we saw inflation coming up later on. So the, what I'm expecting us to see at this time here is that the real economy will actually turn much, much slower. And because pouring money onto the, on the whole problem is done because you want the central banks, they want us to start taking on loans again, you know, go take this loan. It's cheap, spend money. But if you're just getting, if just gotten hit by, you know, high interest rate payments, uh, interest payments, you don't want to put more debt on immediately. So it will take a while to convince the consumers to start spending again, even if you pour a lot of money on this. Liquidity will not work in the real economy unless you get that exact, you know, behavior out. And that is what people do not understand. So they'll just they'll throw money at it and then you'll have the magic will work. No, the magic comes through the consumer. And if the consumer doesn't pay, you know, you know, want, doesn't want to do it because he he's unemployed now and he want to save his money, make sure he doesn't, you know, get in that situation again. Well, then it takes time and free money will not help it. But what we could see is that free money will then start to float into and, and chase other asset groups like like commodities. And that's why I think you could get to a situation where the the first phase will be a stagflation. Sorry, deflation. Sorry, deflation first. You'll then see the Fed response, and then you'll see a stagflation unfold for a couple of years, because you will actually not see the bounce in the economy, the, the bounce in the economy, and that you cannot stimulate you out of. We haven't seen a real stagflation for many years. We did see some of it coming through, and um, it wasn't a stagflation we saw after the Corona crisis, but we did see when both stocks and bonds going down, we saw pension funds having a lot of problems, which is another thing I think we're going to see, because if I'm right in my thesis, we're going to see exactly that scenario, which will just be much bigger this time. And you'll see pension funds having a lot of problems and that, that will cause the, 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 the double whammy, so to speak, in terms of this crisis, but this is a little further out. So we have to understand there is a deflationary bust. And of course you'll see the fed coming back in, but how will the economy react to that stimulus? Will you as an unemployed employee, uh, you know, a person, uh, maybe you lost your home, you know, God forbid, but still people will, um, would you then say, yeah, I want to take on that extra loan because now I want to spend money because the Fed tells me to. I don't think that's what you what you want to see. And that's the real nature of the economy, which people do not understand as I see it. That's the real business cycles. Now, you raised some very interesting points there, and, and we're all feeling a lot of pain right now with these taxes, exorbitant taxes with double-digit inflation, and now we got high interest rates to deal with. And so it's going to be quite interesting to see how things evolve here in the next few months. And Henrik, as we wrap up, if someone would like to learn more about you and your services, where can they go? Well, we got the um, the CPEG report uh, where I, on a weekly basis, sit and, and explain about the market, what I see from a holistic perspective, meaning I look into all markets, so to speak, in the you know, commodities and bonds and uh, equities and cryptos and so on. And I, I draw up this holistic picture of it where all these markets needs to go in sync uh, and in order for me to have an outlook, then I create the narrative on that. And that narrative I explain on the, my weekly shows, live shows, where you can also ask questions on the um, 
on the show and ask for um, specific charts to be um, to be uh, analyzed. Uh, so, so that's on the theseabergreport.com, and uh, yeah, that's where you can hear more. And then I'm on Twitter. Uh, my 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 handle is um, at Henrik Seberg, and um, yeah, that's where you can hear more about my thesis, my outrageous thesis. Well, I really enjoyed this discussion today, Henrik, and I want to thank you for spending time with us. And we're going to have to do it again later in Q2. Absolutely. And thank you very much for having me on today. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Henrik Seberg. You might not agree with a lot of his calls, but that's what makes a market is a difference of opinion. Some people are bullish, some people are bearish. And if you have any other suggestions on who we should interview on Wealthion, please let us know in the comments below or send us an email. We would love to hear from you and we're always looking for new ideas. If you are trying to figure out how to prepare for your financial future during these uncertain times, consider having a discussion with a Wealthion endorsed financial advisor at Wealthion.com. After providing some basic information, Wealthion will put you in touch with a vetted advisor. There's no obligation whatsoever to work with any of these advisors. It's a free service that Wealthion offers to all of its viewers. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, Wealthion.com, and also hit that notification button so you can be kept up to date on future events. We have some amazing content coming out in the next few days and the coming weeks to help you prepare for your financial future. Once again, thank you for spending time with us today, and I look forward to seeing you again soon.